Well, happy Mother's Day to everyone. It is uh, always a blessing, as I think of it, that we have a national holiday that celebrates um, femininity and especially motherhood. I'm grateful for my mother. Uh, she could be here with us in our vehicle this morning. And I'm thankful for Gina and the mother she is to our children. I just want to especially bless all of you mothers this morning. Um, it's, um, yeah, you're, you're amazing. And doing what you do is, uh, is certainly a tremendous, tremendous gift that you can exercise in the kingdom of God. I've chosen to speak this morning from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10. If you uh, are inclined to open your Bibles there, that would be uh, good. I would, uh, I'm looking at the, approximately the last half of Hebrews 10. And if you look at the setting here, it is especially interesting to note that this passage comes just before Hebrews 11, which is a passage that we're familiar with, which is the, uh, the faith chapter, as we call it. It is a book, it is a chapter that highlights people's perseverance through all kinds of situations. People persevered and continued to stay faithful. But in this particular passage, just prior to that, he leads up to that. And he gives some reasons, I believe, or that I feel, why these people could persevere in the situations that they were in. And I think it's words for today, words for us to to capture, to learn from, to um, engage in our own lives, to um, become like these faithful people that are listed here in Hebrews 11. If you outline the book of Hebrews, you can see from about chapter 4 all the way through chapter 10, at least the first half of the, the, of the chapter 10, the writer of Hebrews builds a rather extensive case and he makes a, a really solid argument for the high priesthood of Jesus Christ. And as we see at the beginning of chapter 10, he, he uh, says, he uses the word shadow. And I'll build on that maybe just a little bit later uh, in the sermon, in one of my later points. But a shadow comes from an illumination, from light. There is something shining that creates a shadow. So the high priests and Melchizedek and, and the illustrations that he uses here in Hebrews are shadows of shadows of, uh, of, of actually shadows of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> not only is Jesus like the Jewish high priests, not only is Jesus like Melchizedek, but Jesus is the figure. He is the light from which the high priests and Melchizedek um, are illuminated. He is the ultimate high priest. He is the high priest that all other high priests depict and um, yeah, they show Jesus Christ in their work. <clears throat> now at the conclusion of this argument here in the first part of chapter 10, he begins the next section with the words in verse 19. He says, therefore, therefore brethren, or having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ. Boldness, confidence. We have this confidence. And there's different words that we can use from that, but I'm going to use the word perseverance. Uh, I think it goes well with uh, the context here. 
and uh, certainly for the times in which we live in today. Perseverance. I've entitled the sermon, Keys to Perseverance. The first key, and I've picked out five keys here in, the, in this uh, portion of Scripture. And the first key that I'm going to talk about is the key of devotion. Look at verse 22. He says, let us draw near, or let us come near with a true heart in full assurance. There's sort of another similar word to the word that he uses in, in other places. He uses the word confidence, and he uses um, boldness in verse 19. Again, I'm using the word perseverance. Let us draw near with a true heart. Let us draw near with full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Have you ever thought about the way that modern Christianity and maybe sometimes we tend to think about our devotional life? We think of our devotional life as a slot of time, a period of time in our daily schedule. I'd like to... Um, I, I understand parts of that, but I, I think I'd like to go extensively and, and much beyond that. Let's look at, let's think about, let, let's try to avoid looking at devotions or our devotional life as a slot of time in our routine. Um, it, it seems we've reduced devotions or our devotional life to five minutes that we take as part of our morning routine or perhaps one of the things that we do at the end of our day before we turn the light off, before we go to bed. And for a Christian, a lifestyle of devotion or a devotional life, as the, the term that we use, is much more than a slot of time. It is, it is a lifestyle, something that we do all day long. It is something that we always have before us. It's, a, it, it's part of who we are inward. It is it just is a much better and more accurate, a biblical description of what God intends for us to think of in relation to our devotional life. And part of the problem is, I, I think I would be hesitant to admit it for myself, and maybe you would too, we're, we're hesitant to admit that the reason, the reason that it's difficult for us to be devoted, the reason that it's difficult for us to put this slot into our daily schedule, if you want to use that analogy, the reason that it's hard for us to be devoted is because there are so many other things in our hearts already. And for us to, to bring Jesus into that conflicts with some of the other idols and the other slots that we have already filled. Maybe it's our job, our family, our social circle, our calendar, our budget. All of these things are crowding out our hearts and minds and it becomes a challenge for us to incorporate devotion into that. But that's the call that the Bible gives to us. What's the solution? I think it's, I'm pretty sure that the solution is not necessarily to, to step up that slot of time from five minutes to 20, although that could be a possibility. If you want to do that, I'm sure God would bless you for that. It's never a bad thing to read more scripture or to uh, incorporate more Bible study and to incorporate more books and reading or literature into our lives. But I think much beyond that, we should make a heartfelt confession of our constant need of Jesus Christ and His grace. And I think for me, I tend to, to think of myself, or not to think of myself enough as being in need. And therefore, 
it's easy for me to not be as devoted as I should. When we have this constant attitude of, God, I need you. Jesus, I need you. I need your grace. Without you, I'm nothing. We tend to think of ourselves too many times as something. And it becomes a hindrance to the Spirit working in our lives. The real devotion of our heart. What we should be. Not so much some activity that we engage into our schedule. But real devotion is, comes when we realize our need of grace. And our need of the Holy Spirit. The second key that I want to talk about here is a key of action. Look at what it says in verse 23. He said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Now, theologists and Bible students have studied for a long time already with the balance of faith and works. The Bible makes it very clear that at, at some point as Christians we're going to be judged by the works that we do. Here he uses the word profession of our faith. And he's encouraging us to continue to do the works, the, the profession, the activities, the five-minute slots, the 20-minute slots, or whatever you're building into your, into your life as a, uh, what we call our devotional life. He says, don't waver. Don't, don't give up that profession. But when I think of it in terms of uh, our activities, I think it's perfectly normal for me or for any of us to respond or to regulate what we, um, um, or we, yeah, we recognize, we respond to situations based on what's happening in our environment. For instance, if it's 100 degrees, if it would be 100 degrees out here now, there's no way I would be sitting here or standing here with this coat. I probably would not even want to be standing here in the sunlight. But on a colder day, such as today, I'm eager for a coat like this. I'm eager for something to protect me from the breeze. If it were much warmer, the breeze would be welcome and would feel good. So we, we, we adjust to the environment in which we're in. And our response to these physical environments are wise and proper and appropriate. But too many times we apply the same logic to our relationship with the Lord and with other people. And whether we know it or not, we respond to our situations that we find ourselves. We find ourselves responding to locations and relationships, situations based on the conditional environment factors. We question God's goodness when things are not going well for us. When things, when we're under the weather in some sort of way, we tend to wonder if God is actually in charge or if God is actually in control. And, and we, we find ourselves using phrases and reactions to, to, um, to situations like that. When things start to go our way, we, we, I've already heard, perhaps even have used the phrase, well, God is still in control, as if he wasn't in control in the earlier times. And I think we need to find our, ourselves adjusting to that. Let us hold fast, he says, the profession of our faith without wavering. Whatever the situation, whatever the environment is, whatever the course of action that we need to be taking to adjust to that environment, that's how we need to keep moving. And he qualifies that synthesis there in verse 23. The reason that we can, we can hold our profession, the reason we can continue to act in Christian love and, and have actions and activities of, of faithfulness is because the one who promised 
is faithful. He is faithful. Jesus is faithful. God is faithful. He's the one that promised. In other words, we live a lifestyle of faith and obedience to God. Not because our environment us to do so, but because Jesus is faithful and he is with us every step of the way. The one who promised is faithful. And I, I feel that in 2020 and even most of my life as I think of it in recent times, our environment does not necessarily encourage us to live with faith and obedience. There's constantly things that are mitigating against us and causing us to question. There's suffering, physical suffering. Our locations can be stressful in whatever sort of way. Our relationships cause us difficulty. And it's easy for us to feel pushed against by our environment. Our bodies are not pain-free. Our schedule is not predictable. We experience injustice in our lives. And if you only choose to praise the Lord when you're healthy, you only choose to praise the Lord when you're comfortable and enjoying life, and you only praise the Lord when things are going in the direction you want them to go, there's probably huge chunks of time where you won't be praising the Lord. And I don't see the Bible teaching us, the Bible endorsing that in any sort of way. Hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. And the reason we do that is because God is faithful. He is the one that we can trust in. Hebrews 11 brings out that fact as much as anything. Where these heroes of faith had enormous forces pushing against them and yet they remained faithful. So can we. The third key I want to bring out here is the key of community. <clears throat> We've probably thought about this verse in these last seven weeks and perhaps even heard it expounded in all kinds of um, unusual ways or however you want to say. But 10, 24 and 25 says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and the good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And I see this as a, a foundational or a fundamental point of our Christian faith. When I read the Bible, and when I study the Bible, I have to honestly examine my own life in light of the Bible. But there's, there's something that I often see, and that is that I tend to forget I tend not to see myself for who I actually am or for I, who I really am. I tend to give myself way more grace and more tolerance than, than I should. I tend to be much more um, forgetful about things that um, are unpleasant about me. I tend to give myself a huge break in things, habits and such that I have that are not as good as they ought to be or even as spiritually sound as they should be. It's, it's sort of like identity amnesia. I tend to be a forgetful person. And an amnesiac is someone who, in the middle of duties or responsibilities of life, forgets amnesia. And we tend to be identity amnesiacs. It's easy for us to forget the gospel. It's easy for us to get, forget the good news. And I think one of the reasons that the writer of Hebrews tells us that we should meet together is because of this very thing. We tend to forget. We tend to give ourselves more grace than we ought to. We tend to not see ourselves in the way that, that Christ sees us. And one of the ways to, to push against that is to surround ourselves with other Christians. 
I am so thankful that we have a community around us here at Weavertown. And if I'm honest, I don't always like the idea of Christian community. For, for one thing, community reminds me that I am not as independent as I would like to be, or as independent as I think I should be. I am not as consistent in my walk as I tend to think I am. And other people around me point that out. Other people move me in a certain way. They shape and mold how I think. And that is the principle of the New Testament church. It is one of the fundamental principles of the Anabaptist model of faith. And it is and should be our tradition here at Weavertown to meet as a community, surround ourselves with other people. We are not as able, we are not as independent as we sometimes think we are. We are not able to face circumstances and to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps as the saying goes. We need a community. I need a community. And there's several Bible principles that I'm very convinced of. In fact, I'm more convinced of it in these last two months than I was prior to that time. Some of the Bible principles that I'm especially thinking about are the principle of service to others as opposed to serving oneself. The principle of fellowship. The principle of hospitality. The principle of corporate worship. The principle of sharing and benevolence. These are such core and critical principles of our Christian faith. And any person who claims to be a Christian understands the importance of this in one's life, in our lives. Again, they are foundational principles of the Anabaptist model of faith. They are fundamental principles of the early church and, and, and of the New Testament church. They should be. And they have been firmly held positions of our tradition here at Weavertown. The principles of community. And it's my belief, again, stronger than two months ago, that these principles should not be sacrificed. And I'm going to add even to extend the limb I'm on, I don't think that these should be sacrificed on the altar of safety. God ordained Christian community precisely because I am not able to face life on my own. Spiritually, physically, emotionally, I am not able to face life on my own. We need each other. We need the world, the people around us. The fallen world around us brings us to our knees. And if I do life my way, I tend to, to um, toward disaster. Additionally, I see that Christian community will not allow me to parade my righteousness. Christian community, Christian brothers and sisters around me do not allow me to, to, to lift myself up and to show off how good I am. My sinful heart, my selfish heart, my selfish nature is exposed and I'm forced to admit who I actually am when I'm around Christian brothers and sisters. Don't argue for your independence. Don't argue for your individuality. Don't argue for your isolation. You are stronger around other people, always. You are always stronger around other people and other families. In fact, I think there's even strength in a level of diversity. There should be a sense of diversity among us. It makes us stronger. It helps us to see and understand 
others' viewpoints and makes us realize that the way we see things is not the only way. We need a lifestyle of community. And I think, I think, that community should even in some ways be a bit intrusive on us. I want that for my life. I want that level of diversity. I want that intrusion into my life to not allow me to, to um, stray away from that Christ-centered, grace-driven, and redemptive nature that God intends for a community to be. The next thing I see here is the key of seriousness. And verse 26 through 31, and I paraphrase, he says, If we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But 27 says there's going to be judgment, in fact, even more severe judgment on us, on people who have experienced the grace of God and turn away from that. How much sore punishment, suppose ye, should be brought about as a result of that. Who hath done despite unto the spirit of grace, according to the King James Version. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance is belongeth unto me, I will recompense. The Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the Lord, living God. Now, I don't have space and time here to unpack these verses, but I just see how crucial it is that we see how sin is talked about in this passage. I'm, I'm challenged and, and convicted when I see that. Look at the words that are used in these verses. And I'm especially looking at the NIV here. It says, trampled the Son of God underfoot. In verse, um, is that verse 29? And he says, treated the blood of the covenant as an unholy thing insulted the spirit of grace. Those are strong words, serious language that he uses to describe what we're talking about here. We live in a culture that doesn't take sin seriously. We call sin by other names. We ignore, we minimize, we sometimes find ourselves even laughing at or sometimes even praise what God calls sin. It's easy to fall into the trap of thinking that sin is actually not so bad after all. And my call, my challenge for us today is that we need to take sin incredibly seriously. The penalty for sin has been paid, that's correct. But you can still be a Christian and ruin, uh, ruin your life by choices that you take. The fact that you're a Christian today does not mean that your choices cannot bring you to disaster. The consequences of sin. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. The clear connection between our choices and our quality of life. And I think even more importantly, I don't think we can celebrate the beauty of the gospel until we recognize the ugliness of sin. Kind of ties into some of the things I was saying earlier. Jesus becomes much more precious <clears throat> when we realize what we have been rescued from. And I would encourage you today, take seriously the consequences of your actions. Take seriously the ugly nature of your sin. Here's the thing, <clears throat> when we are honest about our sin, our lives become more beautiful. The devil and his lies try to tell us the opposite. We try to cover our sin. We try to, to hide the ugliness of who we are in and of ourselves. 
But when we are honest about our sin, our lives become more beautiful. Not only do our lives become more beautiful, but Jesus' grace becomes more amazing and more beautiful. His grace becomes more powerful. My final point, and I close the sermon with calling us to a lifestyle of illumination. You see that word there in verse... Um, In verse 32, I think it is. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't have that in my notes here. I'm having a hard time finding it here in the passage. Verse 32, yeah, you were illuminated. And uh, the rest of the chapter here, at least as I see it, at least as I outline it, it talks about living in the light. <clears throat> light is attractive. Light gives growth. Light brings life. Light is healing. Light brings sight. Light reveals things. Light exposes things that are unseen in the darkness. Not only that, light chases away the darkness. Light brings security and comfort. And not only that, light chases away the darkness. Darkness is not actually a thing as much as it is an absence of light. And so when light comes into the picture, darkness disappears. <clears throat> they were illuminated, he says in verse 32. And because of that, they endured, they endured hardship. They endured hardship as a result of their illumination, as a, as a f result of the fact that they started to shine. Light was brought into their life, and they started to shine. Now this isn't, well, let me back up just a little bit. I think the call throughout Scripture in Matthew 5 and other places, it talks about how that we are, we should be lights. And the reason we are lights is not because of us, it's because of the light that's been shined on us. Kind of like the moon reflecting the sun's light. The light we reflect comes 100% from another source, and that source, obviously, is God. It's Jesus. <clears throat> now, this isn't some amazing new insight or truth, but I just feel and believe that's important for us to keep it in our minds, maybe especially for the times we're living in. It's easy for us to hear a statement like, you are the light of the world, and easy for us to hear statements like, how we should let our lights shine, and forget that the light is not about us, but it's about Him. We can't do anything on our own. We simply reflect light that's shined on us, similar to the way the moon shines or reflects the light of the sun. <coughs> light shows the way out of difficulty. Light shows the pathway to a better place. And if you look at these verses, again, I don't have time to unpack all the aspects of this little portion here at the end of chapter 10. But it makes it just as clear as could be that the reason these people of faith and the reason that we can be faithful is because we're not here to stay. This world's not our home. We're going to a better place. Yet a little while, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. The just shall live by faith. Now if any man would draw back, my soul will have no pleasure in him. But he says, we are not of those that draw back but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. We're not the people that draw back. 
We have all kinds of lines that we say to each other when we separate, such as goodbye, or nice to meet you, or see you later, or see you soon, talk to you later, take it easy, mach's gut, and one for 2020, stay safe. Now these all have their, there's nothing particularly wrong about any of these, but I've decided to make it a personal goal as I studied this scripture and as I thought about, yeah, where we are right now, I think it would be more appropriate for us to say, keep shining. I've decided to make it a personal goal to say this. Keep shining. Verse 39. But we are not of those that draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. We are not of those. Hopefully that's true of all of us. We're not those who down the sail. We're not shrinking back into sin and perdition. Don't take down the sail. Keep shining. I close with uh, a word of prayer, and then I think we'll turn the time back to, to Nate. Or, uh, yeah, I think Nate is coming next. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you for your gift and blessing to us. We thank you for, especially for Jesus Christ and how he has shined on our, our lives. And his grace has illuminated our minds and hearts. I pray that you would help us to reflect that image, to reflect that light to people that we come in contact with this coming week, the rest of today and these coming days. And this time that we live in, I pray that you would help us to be mirrors of Jesus Christ and the light that that you have brought into our lives. I pray that you would help us to practice that in a way that is that honors you, and may you receive the glory and praise for our lives. We thank you for this morning, and I pray that the words spoken here would be a means of encouragement and blessing for, for all who hear. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>